This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. So a lot of things are often said uh, on this forum and many others about business. They're sitting on the fence, they're indifferent, they're detached, and often it feels like that. But um, when you look more intimately at the relationship between government and business, you'll find that many initiatives have been established to try to create common ground. Now, yes, it's true. The basic aim of business is to generate a profit for shareholders, but business is also um a very large employer in South Africa, and they need to see certain conditions uh, to create an enabled environment for greater investments. And um, what they've identified are three priority areas for much needed action and relief. Energy, of course, energy. Uh, ESCOM, it's, 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 it's a no-brainer. Logistics, we've heard about cable theft, the state of the roads, the inability to move things to market. Miners have really been um, at loggerheads with Transnet over the fact that they've really struggled to get um, raw materials out of the country through the various ports. And of course, crime, it impacts every aspect of social life in the country and the sense of security of assets and people. And so they've really implored on the government to think really hard about how to figure this out. And they've even come up with suggestions. And there are many, many uh, committees and commissions that exist, such as um, Business Against Crime South Africa, a crime and um, uh, corruption uh, committee. Um, We've seen um, uh, a crisis group being set up around um, issues of uh, freight and logistics to set up a roadmap. And um, the president also declared that uh, a serious uh, a committee, uh, rather, that needs to be established to deal with the issue around freight logistics. And of course, we've seen business stepping in to try to help um, the government in what's been termed various incantations of a kind of energy war room to help the government deal with the crisis. So let's figure out and find out what more business has done, is doing, and just um, the kinds of conversations we're not privy Two, as we speak to Martin Kingston, the chairman for Business for South Africa, um, a very important steering committee as well. Good morning, Martin. Morning, Lerata, to you and your uh, and your listeners. You've actually uh, summarised perfectly the environment within which we've mobilised the resources uh, to work alongside and in support of national uh, imperatives, uh, which are correctly. I think, as you've characterized them, central to not only the functioning of the economy, uh, but also uh, a stable and prosperous society. Okay, thank you so much. So you obviously know much more than me, and you are privy to the conversations that you have as a community of business leaders with the government. So let's start off with the three priority areas, energy, logistics, crime, and corruption interchangeably. Um, What's happening on the energy front? Because, um, you know, we're still in load shedding. We hear many, many things about procuring um, uh, industrial generators, um, doing maintenance, um, trying to pursue an IPP just transition agenda. And I think for the average South African and the small businesses, can you just keep the lights on? Just keep them on. Well, well that, of course, is the key, uh, the key issue that we're all tackling as an individual, as a company and as a national level, uh, which is to curb and actually eradicate load shedding as quickly as practically possible. 
uh, the reality is we don't just need to have predictable, but we need to have affordable uh, electricity, uh, which is reliable at all times. We know it's going to take time. A year ago, the president announced uh, the Energy Action Plan. As a business, we fully subscribed uh, to that. Uh, he also announced the creation of a structure called the National Energy Crisis Committee. Mm. It's a government structure. It involves all government departments and ESCOM and the regulator to try and make sure that there was a more aligned and integrated approach. At the same time, they suggested that it might be useful if we could mobilize resources that we could make available to them to capacitate some of the work concerned. And in that context, we formed the Resource Mobilization Fund. We raised 100 million rand mm. from both corporate and philanthropic sources. Uh, we used it to recruit specialist expertise, and we donated that uh, to the presidency uh, so that they can have uh, the right skills and capabilities. At the same time, we have, as you said, uh, mobilized resources under the leadership of uh, a number of CEOs uh, to be able to drive interventions in the energy space. There are some 10 work streams and six of them uh, we're already participating in. I think it's a highly collaborative and cooperative space where once again we can bring our insights, our expertise, our resources to bear in making sure that we can implement the necessary interventions as quickly mm. as possible to ensure that we can, as I said, deal with load shedding, uh, hopefully before the end of next year. It's not going to be before the end of this year, but before the end of next year. Okay, so with the energy issue, there are quite a few things that are going on, Martin Kingston, and I wonder if you could give us business's perspective. So there's definitely the engineering side of ESCOM, just getting the right people to get these power stations to work and to work efficiently uh, and and generate energy. So that's the first thing. Then there's the financial issue of managing ESCOM's uh, exorbitant uh, debts, both locally and internationally, and servicing those debts. And of course, the Treasury has come in to take on a portion of it or to guarantee it. And then the third pillar is people thinking about the future, where future investments may lie and where, uh, how to create a more stable grid. And there's a whole argument as to whether the future is in fossil fuels or the future is in renewables and which agenda should take priority. Where does business fit on this continuum? So we are actually participating in, uh, in all of those uh, areas, the three that you've mentioned. In the case of engineering, for example, uh, under the B4SA platform, that's one of the work streams, we are seconding engineers to four of the power stations to try and increase their energy availability uh, factor as quickly as possible. On the financial issues, of course, it's uh, local banks and local insurance companies, as well as international sources of capital that have lent to ESCOM, lent to the government. So we're working with governments and ESCOM to create, as you say, a more stable, a more viable uh, balance sheet, both for ESCOM and for the transmission company that is going to be lifted out of ESCOM. And then Exactly correctly, there are future investments. It's not just a question of pre-existing maintenance, applies equally to transport and logistics, but also uh, investment in expansion, both in generation as well as in transmission and distribution. And there, once again, we are working alongside governments to design appropriate mechanisms. Now, I need to emphasize that the uh, development and the implementation of policy, that is the domain of government. All we can do is give input. Mm -hmm. But if we can mobilize finance, if we can mobilize expertise, uh, in many of these cases, as we've seen indeed with the uh, independent power plants, particularly around renewables, a huge swathe of interest from the private sector domestically and internationally, Mm -hmm. let alone the ability for individuals to put in place rooftop solar, 
that that is where the future lies. There needs to be an appropriate balance. We all recognize between fossil fuels mm. and renewables as we progress uh, with the just transition. And we're participating in all of the discussions concerned. But it's not just a question of having those discussions. It's a question of actually doing the work, making sure that we've got the appropriate interventions and where capacity is required, mobilizing that capacity mm. from within the business community. Okay, let's move on to the second pillar, which is logistics, because, I mean, it's, it stands to reason there's no economy that can produce and manufacture goods if you can't get those goods and services to market. So the story of Transnet becomes very, very important here, and the story of the road networks, the rail networks, the ports becomes important. And to that end, uh, the president spoke about setting up a committee um, that would urgently look at the issue of how to fix the logistics side of the economy. What are your recommendations? What is the sense of urgency? that you get about sorting out this particular aspect of the problem? Well, Arato, rather like with energy, it was agreed that there needed to be an integrated committee overseen by government. So uh, on the 6th of June, which was the last time we'd met with the president before this week, uh, it was agreed that there should be the creation of a national uh, logistics crisis committee, uh, the same sort of remit as for energy, uh, bringing all of the role players together Transnet obviously sits at the very center of that. Uh, We've been intimately involved in business uh, in the design of the six work streams. We participate in some, not all of those work streams. Again, where policy is involved, that's government's uh, domain, uh, because we recognize that both uh, rail and port uh, need to be operationalized in a manner that makes them efficient and predictable and competitive. Uh, And because it's not uh, currently the case, uh, there's been a movement to the roads and we all experience what the impact of that is, uh, where we are uh, taking far too much uh, strain in our road system uh, relative to both the capacity and what is environmentally uh, appropriate and efficient uh, for the economy. Uh, Once again, we've mobilized teams under the leadership, uh, in fact, in the case uh, of, uh, of the logistics work of three CEOs, including Andrew Kirby, the chief executive of Toyota, and Pumi Zikalala, the mm. chief executive uh, of Kumba. All of these work streams are driven by CEOs on our side. Uh, we expect that the government is going to ask once again for capacity through the Resource Mobilization Fund. Uh, we'll agree what skills are required and we'll donate again those resources to them, in particular project management uh, expertise, which has already been uh, signaled. Uh, once again, we need to find a quick wins because, Lorato, I think it's fair to say that confidence levels are very low at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to be built up. That is a precursor to the investments right. that you're talking about, investments that drive growth and growth that yeah. creates the opportunity for sustainable jobs. Yeah, we will talk about that business confidence issue in a, in a moment. And of course, crime. And crime doesn't just affect business, it affects all manner of humanity in South Africa. And it just seems to be escalating. We're now hearing about criminality uh, on disused mine shafts, zamazamas, and people are saying the mining companies should step in. And the mining companies say we no longer are running those shafts. We need the police to step in. And the police say we don't have capacity. So I'm just using that as an example to give you a sense that, um, and I'm sure you're well aware of the sense that it just seems to be like a dark hole that South Africa keeps sinking in. Well, we obviously cannot uh, cannot endure the helplessness that you're referring to in terms of uh, crime, in particular crime, uh, also corruption and maladministration. And it's not in the public sector, it's at a societal level in the private sector as well. Uh, we're very sensitive here to the need uh, to respect the integrity, the independence uh, of 
the state in terms of prosecuting uh, crime in terms of the NPA, but that doesn't mean that we can't, again, uh, put expertise and specific disciplines uh, and uh, subject matter experts at their disposal, which is exactly what we're doing. Uh, We've announced that we will be uh, revamping business against crime. We think that that can be a very useful platform to integrate a business response across uh, all of business. It currently sits within Business Leadership South Africa. Uh, Neil Froneman of Sibania Stillwater, one of the big mining companies, and Yanni Duran, the CEO of Remgro, are overseeing that. There's only so much we can do as the private sector on our own. We need to be very careful that we stay within our lane. But if we can cooperate effectively, and once again, a structure has been put in place, which was agreed with the president uh, earlier this week. It's the Joint Initiative on Crime and Corruption, uh, overseen uh, by government. That's the only way that we can start Mm -hmm. to get runs on the board and start to arrest what is perhaps the biggest single challenge uh, to South Africa. And it's worthwhile saying Mm -hmm. that many of the difficulties that we're experiencing as a country uh, with respect to both energy as well as transport, are in many respects uh, a reflection of the crime and criminality that we're having to deal with in those sectors. And the the symbiosis, I think, is where the problem lies, because when we talk cable theft or we talk cybercrime or we're talking illegal mining, the allegations, and I stress allegations, are that it's members... Syndicates working with members of the police, even potentially working with politicians, which makes it a vicious cycle of not being able to tackle it. And as business that can implore on government to get their act together, I wonder if you're heard. Well, so I I have no doubt that we're heard, uh, Lerato. In our meeting with the president uh, on Tuesday, which was attended by, I think, some dozen cabinet ministers and leaders from business, uh, there were very frank and open discussions frank and constructive, I have to say, about the fact that we all need to hold one another to account uh, to address these issues, including with respect to crime, but all of the areas that we've been talking about. If we're going to be able to reverse the trend, the level of economic growth uh, is uh, anemic at best Mm. uh, and is not going to address the fundamental challenges that we've got in the country Mm. in respect to poverty, inequality, and most importantly, Mm. manifested, of course, as unemployment. Yeah. Okay. So um, the the word crime is often used interchangeably with corruption, and they're both crimes, but manifest in different ways. And um, as part of the reforms um, that South Africa needed to introduce uh, for broader investments, but also to avoid things like grey listing, which didn't really work out really well in the end, but have been issues around uh, the NPA amendment bill. And you have uh, been very clear in the fact that there's the work of government and there's the work of business and you can't literally uh, tell government how to conduct themselves, but you can put pressure to the extent that it impacts business. This corruption story, how badly has it dented South Africa's image reputationally? Because we're told numerically corruption has cost South Africa about a trillion rands in the last 10 to 15 years alone. Well, I think the the narrative is as negative as the facts. One reinforces, unfortunately, the other. And one of the areas we've agreed we're going to work on uh, with government is a joint narrative uh, which properly, transparently and consistently articulates what is happening, what we're doing to deal with the challenges, uh, progress that's being made and indeed how we're 
you know, how we're addressing uh, bigger obstacles. Uh, you correctly identify the MPA amendment bill. Inve- establishing the inve- investigating directorate is absolutely essential as a permanent entity uh, with the requisite powers. And I think that we all acknowledge that will bolster uh, confidence uh, so that we can fight complex corruption-related crimes. Uh, but we need to be able to communicate it based upon progress that we've been made. We were given an assurance uh, on Tuesday that the amendment bill will be approved by cabinet and tabled in parliament uh, by the end of this month. And that will be a very important step uh, in that process. Okay. Now let's talk about the broader issue that you've raised, is that um, even if you tackle energy, logistics, crime, you start to handle corruption uh, in a more considered manner, you've still got to boost business confidence. You've still got to say to the business community, there's money to be made in South Africa, there is the rule of law and your assets are safe. And what we're seeing trends-wise is there's a decline consistently in business confidence. Just in May this year, it stood at 10.6% which is uh, significantly uh, down from the the same um, measure last year. The projections of that business confidence will further decline by 32 points next year and perhaps even 40 points in the year to come. So despite all the best efforts, there is a sense that the situation is just getting worse before it's ever going to get better. So there's absolutely no doubt, uh, Lerato, that business confidence, in fact, I would say confidence generally, and not just domestically, but internationally, in South Africa has been eroded and undermined by developments over the past several years. And our inability to make progress as quickly as possible uh, to arrest that decline in confidence, which is simply a reflection uh, of the issues that we've been talking about, uh, we believe uh, that if we have focused interventions, if we capacitate it appropriately, if we're able to actually galvanize uh, resources from the business community, as we did during the response to COVID-19, uh, and we're able to uh, clearly and correctly demonstrate that progress by working alongside and in support of government and the country, uh, then we'll be able to reverse those trends. That is why uh, we were able to announce last week that 115 CEOs then, it's closer to 130 now, uh, of companies across the spectrum in South Africa, representing over 1.2 million direct employees, have signed up to a commitment uh, to uh, actually put their shoulder to the wheel that we're talking about, uh, because not only are they concerned in a narrow sense about the viability of their own businesses, uh, but as you said at the outset, uh, they have an obligation not just to shareholders, but to the stakeholders, their employees, the communities within which they operate, the country at large, to ensure that we achieve our objectives. The only way we're going to do that is by demonstrating that we're making real tangible progress on a pro- you know, on an increasing basis in these areas. There are many other areas, but we're going to have to rebuild confidence as quickly as possible mm. uh, by getting real runs on the board. Mm. Yeah, and your sentiments are echoed by people like Adrian Gore, uh, CEO of Discovery and also Abusa, Vice President. But the Abusa CEO, for me, his utterances are, 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 are interesting in that whilst business has, you know, in in spirit said we believe in a future for South Africa if, if they're all hands on deck. But um, Kaz Kovadia kind of lays out the deliverables and he says we have to stick to timeframes. 
We have to identify the deliverables and we have to meet them. Um, others have said you have to figure out this thing on red tape and bureaucracy. Um, others are saying, can we make sure that SMEs are paid on time when they do business with government? To what extent are you tracking all of these deliverables? Can you? And how can you make sure that South Africa lives up to the, um, to the promises made? Well, Cass is absolutely correct in what he says. And each of the issues that you've mentioned, including uh, dealing with SMEs, for example, was raised directly in our meeting uh, with government. By the way, not necessarily raised by business, mm. raised by government as well. We're mm. committed to working on all of those issues, including uh, red tape. Uh, and uh, the only way we can do that is uh, in three respects, in my view. One is to make sure that we've got clearly focused timeframes around specific interventions that has been agreed, uh, that we capacitate them appropriately from both sides. Business is certainly mobilizing those resources, has already done so. And the third is we put in place appropriate governance and oversight so that we are held accountable, both within our own constituencies, but actually more broadly by society at large, about performing. Uh, we will only be judged by actually our performance, and Cass is uh, absolutely correct to have emphasized that uh, in his comments mm-hmm. to date. Okay. And then may I ask you to what extent geopolitics has played a part? Because we've all seen the furore over um, Russia, Ukraine, and the upcoming BRIC summit in South Africa getting caught up in the crosshairs. And the sense that, um, you know, relations with Russia, if intensified, could compromise relations with the United States and a very important trade deal that um, allows for nearly 5,000 goods and services from Africa to enter America preferentially. And business has implored on government to to sort this thing out. And, you know, the, the suggestion we hear um, is limit your relationship with Russia. Otherwise, it's going to cost the South African economy. Um, what do you make of the geopolitical relationships that South Africa has chosen and to what extent is their self-sabotage, do you think? Well, there's no doubt that the uh, issues around Russia and Ukraine weigh heavily on investor sentiment, both domestically and internationally. I think the government is aware of that. We've brought it to the attention of the government very directly. Uh, business Unity South Africa, Business Leadership South Africa have made clear statements to that effect. But by the same token, we're cooperating with the government to try and deal with some of the challenges that emerge from that. You referred, of course, uh, to AGOA, and there was a delegation only a couple of weeks ago that was both a government and business delegation that went to the United States to engage with the authorities there, with investors there, with Congress and Senate, uh, to explain what our position was uh, as a country. Uh, I say I wasn't there, but the uh, the feedback that's been received was there was absolute alignment between the business leaders who participated in that and the government ministers. Uh, but we need to be mindful of the fact uh, that these exogenous political factors, as you say, uh, geopolitical issues, uh, can have a very significant, devastating impact, both on the macroeconomic environment as well as on sentiment. At the end of the day, uh, investment, as you know, is driven by sentiment, and that's what we need to deal with in this particular set of circumstances. Okay, and our final question to you, Martin Kingston. This idea, this concept of a social compact that the president often alludes to, where he sort of says civil society, business, government, trade unions, and we know there's Nedlac and other fora like that, but this is what you really need to get South Africa going again, to identify core targets, visions, and NDP, and everybody working towards a bigger aim. Um, Experts say there is no social compact. We just pay lip service to it. How can we get one to exist? 
Well, the most important thing is that we have a social compact that is achievable and deliverable as quickly as possible. So we spent much of last year working on a broad social compact with government, and we kept on defaulting as business to these three priority areas, saying, let's make progress here. Let's involve all of the stakeholders who are relevant, uh, and let's make sure that we have complete transparency and visibility about what we're doing. Then we can scale it to other areas. We could talk about water. We could talk about municipal infrastructure. At the end of the day, that's what a social compact is. It's agreement between as many stakeholders as possible about how to address fundamental challenges and exploit opportunities for the country at large. So I would characterize what we're doing as a form of social compacting, but we need to be uh, very disciplined about our approach if we're going to be able to utilize uh, limited resources on both sides uh, and, and make sure that we can maximize the attention that they require uh, to make real discernible progress, as I said. I have to say, Martin Kingston, um, you've simplified it and there's been very what I'd call a clarity of intent in what you've said, and we thank you for your time. He is the chairman of Business for South Africa. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.